Hey there, this is Jason and Paul, and we encourage you to follow us on Instagram at stateofloveandtrust underscore pod, where we can continue the conversation with you. Thanks for listening. And now, let's get to the show. Welcome, everyone, back to another episode of the State of Love and Trust, a Pearl Jam podcast. I'm one of your two hosts, Jason Carapesi, alongside, as always, Paul Gillieri. Paul, there's a third person with us today. It's about damn time, Jason. Introduce yourself, stranger. Hello, guys. Thank, thank you so much for having me on. I, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you, Jason and Paul. Who are you, though? I'm John from Live on Four Legs. I'm oh, happy my to goodness. be here. Yeah, this is like one of those like NBC early '90s crossover episodes <laughs> where Will Smith goes and like hang out with Blossom. <laughs> the crossover episode, that's right. So the reason why we have you on this week is because Georgia is kind of in the news lately. You could say that a little bit. You're, you've been in the thick of it. Um, for those who are outside of this country or just don't tune into the news, and I don't uh, blame you for doing that. Uh, there was a runoff election in Georgia for both of their seats for senator. Uh, the Democrats won both of them, which is a bit of a surprise, thus giving control to Democrats across the board in the American government. That has led to uh, a bit of a kerfuffle, if you will, in the nation's capital. Um, that's what I'll say about that. Um, but I got us thinking, you know, these were very important elections and Pearl Jam and politics has been a thing for a long time. We had a, we had a great conversation about politics um, back on the election day episode uh, with a Washington Times writer, Douglas Ernst, and they have done political stuff for years, voters for choice benefits. Um, when a, a doctor was shot and killed at an abortion clinic in Florida back in what, 93, 94, something like that. They did a whole benefit show there. So it's it's been in their purview for a long time. It's no surprise. So they had a bit of a, uh, I guess you could say a Zoom fundraiser thing, uh, conversation about politics with Lynn, Lynn Manuel Miranda. I can never say his name correctly. Uh, Wayne Brady kind of refereeing the whole thing um, to try and get out the vote. The vote happened. And we got to thinking, well, now that Georgia's in the news, let's talk about Georgia and Pearl Jam at large. Everyone knows about 94 number two. And yeah. we will talk about that. But there are nine other shows in the existence, all but one in Atlanta, the other one being in Athens, which you know very much mm -hmm. about. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about Atlanta um, because I think we have all the recordings from 94 number one on. I think the Lollapalooza uh, one from 92 is real shit quality, so it's kind of hard yeah, to judge. A little, but a little before my time, I think I was only 13. Teen, maybe so. Yeah, didn't, didn't make Jason, it do, do we have a good cut of uh, Lynn Manuel Miranda's elderly woman behind the counter? Uh, I don't have it at the ready. Uh, is what you're asking? I could though. I could just dump it in right here. Yeah, edit point. Why not? I don't know. Um, so yeah, so uh, Pearl Jam and Atlanta specifically, but Georgia at large, uh, the, like the 2012 tour, for example, mm -hmm. that was a very short. Um, tour that happened to coincide with the midterm election for Romney and, and Obama that they happened to hit a couple of swing states. Look at that. Um, vote for change tour in 04 didn't hit Atlanta, but I mean that they've been in the purview. So let's talk about Atlanta, 
Pearl Jam coming there. And what are some moments that stick out to you, um, just like broad strokes? Well, first of all, you know, being a kid growing up in Georgia, that that Fox Theater show being one of the first things, you know, broadcast on the radio, you know, 99X was the radio station down here broadcasting it, you know, live. I remember staying up late the cassette, my cassettes from that thing. Nice. That, that was like my first exposure to like live Pearl Jam, like a full show. So, I mean, that can't be understated, you know, that kind of like drew a bunch of people, you know, my generation. And I don't know if you guys are, well, what your age range is, but I'm, I'm 42. So that hit me like right at the right time. I was 14, 15, 16 years old. So, and then, you know, being able to finally see them in 98, you know, they didn't, they didn't come back for the 95, 96, 97 tour. So announced the tour in 98, super excited. And like, by that time I was in college at UGA and I was kind of like, I was getting into different stuff. Like I was way into like punk rock and get into hardcore stuff and a lot more underground type music. And I was like, well, you know, Pearl Jam used to be my favorite band. Like I'll go see him and then I'll be done. Right. <laughs> so I know. And so I, you know, I go to the show, I go to the show. It's great. You know, they, I think they did a, he did a yeasty girls cover and he was like, Easter Girls were like this political feminist, like punk band from Bay Area on Lookout Records. And like before he, he played the song, he was like, oh, I know none of you have ever heard of this. And I'm like in the in the lawn in the back going like, no, 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 I have that record. Like, I know. Don't don't prejudge us down here. Like, there's still cool people in Georgia. I think that's kind of been the theme running throughout is like we always kind of got kind of uh, stereotyped as like this kind of backwoods you know, area. And we, we would always get forgotten about on these, on these tours, you know, they hit in, in 2000 again in 2003. And those were both great shows. You know, you get a, you get a man trilogy in 2000, which is great. 2003 has one of the, one of the first present tense when present tense came back after a long gap. Mm -hmm. It has uh, the first tease of, of Chloe dancer on crown of thorns of Brendan O'Brien. Like that's a fantastic show. And like, but they haven't played a real, show here since 2003 like you mentioned that 2012 when i was there at music midtown they had two hours a lot of time started with why go ended with a really fast rocket in the free world maybe a four minute rocket in the free world but that was kind of a charge show too like he he i remember him being on stage and saying like oh you know i know like a lot of people here aren't gonna be you know like kind of prejudging the crowd a bit, but Atlanta's always been, always been blue. Like the, the area around Atlanta has always been democratic. It's always been a little more left-leaning Athens, especially you mentioned that show actually knew the guy who, who booked that show for UGA uh, guy called Gordon used to, used to be in a band called the mercy union works at the flagpole over there. He's big in Athens for years and years. Um, yeah. Atlanta, Athens are kind of these, kind of these oasis in the, in the dark, you know? So and it's, yeah, it's just, it's been a really interesting history. I, you know, they were supposed to play here in 2014, 2016. They both fell through. I think the 2016 one was even announced. Do you know why? You know, I don't. I think the 2014, it was because of Bonnaroo. I think they they decided to play Bonnaroo instead, thinking mm. that that would somehow interfere or pull a crowd away, but not really. And then, yeah, 2016, I don't know. Like, it, it was all but done. I think there was even, like, you could even go to the venue website and it was maybe leaked 
for a little while, but then, yeah, it just didn't happen. So, you know, we, the elephant in the room is of course, you know, during the backspace recording, you know, Jeff is mugged outside, you know, Brendan and Brian studio. So I think that maybe put a little black mark on, on us, but uh, yeah, I mean, after all this, like how can they not come back and play here? Like that's the thing I'm looking forward to most is, is having them and finally, you know, getting us back on the radar. Like, you feel so proud. Like, look, we, we did it. We did something like, come back. <laughs> it made you yeah. proud. I mean, you mentioned 2012 and I mean, before know your rights, he goes on this whole thing about, you know, Hey, you got you know, election day is coming up in a couple of days here. Make sure you get out there and vote. It mentions how the ridiculous photo ID laws that they had at the time. Maybe they still have them. Actually. Oh, yeah. Better yeah. Than I would. Um, how you couldn't even use a, college id and quote you'd think you'd want the smart kids voting <laughs> and yeah, referencing going yeah. to pensacola like two days prior or maybe it was two days after and and it, it's very weird that they haven't been there in a while and i mean paul i was listening to these more recent shows in the last few days trying to get myself back, caught back up again something that i noticed and and uh you know, being from Atlanta, John, you can tell me maybe why this is the case, but 2000 was the only indoor show since Fox Theater. Everything else was at, at the amphitheater. Am I, am I wrong? Right, right. Yeah, 2000 was Phillips Arena. Yeah. And, which, you know, he made mention of Ted Turner a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I felt like the energy at the outdoor shows, 03 specifically, being it's the, la- it's the last show they did there that wasn't that was for them it wasn't the the you know the festival crowd which is obviously a little bit different you're playing best of you're playing a lot of 10 that kind of thing 2000 seemed to have a a different bit of energy to me um and it was rated an eight-man show by the band which i find interesting because if you listen to like a bunch of other shows from that tour i think there were there were more jovial energetic performances Paul, do you, do, you, do you notice anything about 2000 versus maybe 03 or, or, or 98 that sticks out to you? Well, I mean, Jeff Jeff has been quoted as saying this whole eight-man show thing really revolved around shows that the band found really exciting. And I think people perhaps conflate really exciting with super intense. You know what I mean? I don't necessarily think they're one and the same. So for the band... It might have just been the energy and the significance of the show for a band member, or perhaps, you know, they went in with certain expectations and maybe they felt like they were on their A game. Um, you know, you look at that set list from 2000, it's a double disc. Uh, they played about 27 songs, I think, on that particular show but you got some really great tracks on there uh, i mean obviously it's binaural tour so you're, you're getting tracks like insignificance nothing as it seems they played rival that particular uh, love that show uh they, they slid in some gems from uh, from yield got got light years and in hiding showed up on that show uh as as uh, john mentioned you get the better man nothing man and leather man which strangely were split when they release the discs because uh, the first disc ends with better man and the second disc actually starts with nothing man which which i thought was a little bizarre just in like why would you split that up <laughs> um you know i i think the show for me the the level of intensity it, it it really comes out strong out of the gate obviously 
Jason, you and I talked about this in our last episode with released mm-hmm. being the, the the best opener the band has. That's how they open. That's how they open this show. But they went into corduroy right after that, right? So, and that was another uh, big point of discussion for us. Was was well, I want to get, get John's take on release versus corduroy <laughs> opening. Of release versus corduroy. Well, that that one two combo. Do you is that kind of your where well, do you stand in that? There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, it, I I love Long Road as an opener. That's probably yeah, okay. the one that that would hit me the hardest. But yeah, I think any yeah you can't go wrong with a release into corduroy and corduroy in that number two spot. You immediately kicks things into gear and like you know it's going to be a crazy night. You know, I I think that it's the backside of that show. You have tracks like Rearview Mirror, Once Breaker Fall, um, Porch, obviously, better Yellow Lead, better at the end. I, f- I don't want to say they phoned it in because they didn't, but there was something about that backside of the show that it doesn't quite resonate as much as the front side, despite the track listing. It's a little that's underwhelming. It, it right? is, and but that's that's what's ironic about it is because you look at the set list for those those last thirteen tracks and you're thinking, God, this alone would be a killer set. Um, but for whatever reason, I, I don't know if they were just fatigued from the first 14. I mean, for me, any show that has nothing man on it is, is worth owning, but, uh, and you throw in hiding in and immortality and, and you've got, uh, just uh, love break or fall. Obviously there's just some fantastic tracks on there. It, it is, it is an eight man worthy show. Don't get me wrong. Let me ask you this um, then. And obviously to the both of you, it was about six weeks after Ross killed that this show happened. How do you think that affected their mood? Because they, they didn't play live and they didn't play no, until obviously. Seattle. Mm-hmm. So does, does coming back to a city like Atlanta after a couple of years where they obviously even just six years before it was that massive legendary show was maybe there some pressure to perform and they got back some love they weren't expecting or you know, from, man, honestly, from a new building it, or I don't think that to me that look that they, they were in Greensboro the night before and they had a day off the next day before showing up in West Palm Beach on the ninth. So I, I think that that August 7th show uh, to me was a, a, a Friday night for the band. You know what I mean? They had the day off the next day, so they just brought it in the beginning. But they probably I mean, I got to look at the rest of the schedule. I forget now how many shows they had earlier. But uh, I just feel like if you look at the band's history, when they have a, a like a, a travel day the next day, uh, I feel like they just kind of figure, let's just, you know, the hell with it. Let's just throw it all out well, there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we could just, we can recover on the bus. You know I mean? It's kind of like the, um, the second night of two in a venue, you're generally going to get a better, usually get a better performance um, because you know, you're going to have a travel day the next day for sure. So yeah. if, maybe you're right. I, I think about, you know, when I talk about, when we talk about underwhelming on the backside of this show, and it was still a good show. Don't get me wrong. Um, I think about crazy Mary and you compare it to Oh three, for example. And, you know, I listened to it this afternoon and crazy Mary. It's not quite um, Irvine 98 level. Cause that was insane. But Mike and boom trading the solos was mm-hmm. so great. in Oh three. And I know, John, you guys, um, you and Randy covered this show on your on your pod uh, not too long back. Um, yeah, what's, but- what strikes um, you from this show? Because I got a ton of notes, and I was just, I love this show a lot. 
Yeah, Crazy Mary was one. It was like they were they were just starting to kind of work out that duel that they would start doing, you know, and they they were they were still kind of going at the same time and kind of it wasn't like he it wasn't to the point where you know Mike sometimes will go over to Boom and they'll kind of play off each other and do that thing, but it was kind of just the beginnings of that. And I think we we mentioned the corduroy in that show is really good. I think it's one of the mm. maybe the first times he mentions peace. You know, the yeah. word what I want is peace. And like that, that became like a thing, uh, you know, during the war. But yeah, I think you were, I think the Roskill thing is a good point. I think that was only the third or fourth show back because they started in Virginia Beach on the third. Uh-huh. And yeah, yeah, you know, that was, that was still, you know, fresh in their minds. You know, you, you can't help but kind of be a little tentative and be a little, you know, it's, things are just maybe a little off and, you know, you know, you try to put yourself in that situation and yeah. And it's just amazing, amazing that they were able to pick it up five or six weeks later and keep that tour going, you know, I, but I wonder if um, talking about being so close from Osgild and we'll come back to the, to Oh three in a second, but um, I wonder if it, it must've taken them through the rest of August because you get to um, uh, Wanta Jones beach in New York and the, the the version of daughter that's on touring band from night I want to say three with it's okay, you watch that with all this as context and you think this might be the point at which they release things a little bit yeah. and feel not a sense of calm but like they can start to heal maybe it felt like a very cathartic release um, but they had to go through all these shows to get there and so Atlanta show just happened to be at the forefront of that so yeah. maybe that's why you didn't get. Um, as bad, bad timing, bad timing. Yeah, yeah. I think the, uh, the the that Vegas show, the ten year anniversary show, when they did Crown of Thorns, I think we we talked about that. That was a big healing moment for them too. You know, to you thinking about that, and then the the real catharsis of that tour is at the end when they finally break out alive in Seattle and like, yeah. oh my god, like what a what a moment. You know, have you guys but done that show yet? No, but I think we we have plans to this year. That's, oh man, yeah, yeah. that's that's a double disker. <laughs> Oh yeah. But yeah, it's just, it's just a matter of timing too. And you know, there's the, there's the kind of offhanded thing. I I believe it was one of the Mansfield 03 shows where they're doing a a crowd sing along and he kind of throws out there like, Oh, you guys did good. Like we wouldn't give that one to Atlanta, you know, kind of like a little, little dig. Yeah. Yeah. What is the animosity? Well, I'll tell you what, after, after uh, the the Senate vote, I would say, uh, They love now. I, I, yeah. I think they're they're loving Atlanta right now. Oh yeah, I'm hoping for I'm hoping for for three nights when when the tour comes back. That's I, I think I think we we're we're overdue because yeah we haven't gotten a show since 2012. Like that was before Lightning Bolt came out. You think like that's, that's yeah that's wild. You guys didn't get Lightning Bolt show. Yeah yeah. Do you think um because obviously there was going to be a second leg for Gigaton. Um, and they hadn't announced it yet, but it was it was going to be very much swing state centric because they weren't they weren't going to yeah. do another vote for change, but it was going to very consciously go through important states. Mm-hmm. You would think they probably would have gotten Atlanta in there. Now I wonder they've come to LA obviously a number of times. In '09, they decided to play a venue here in LA that no longer exists, but we have many venues, big, small everything in between. They played a place called the Gibson Amphitheater at Universal City, uh, where the Universal Studios thing, uh, big theme park is, right? And the venue is like 4,000 people. It's like an indoor mm-hmm. amphitheater with no lawn, and it's just, you know, roofed. So it's like that It's like that style, but it's really intimate. And they played four nights split up by right. Austin City Limits in between. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So Paul and I go back to back nights, wait five days and come back for back to back nights. And I wonder if maybe when they start rescheduling some of these gigaton shows, would they consider maybe going back to Fox theater for like three or four Ooh. nights and making a thing of it? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. I think I, when we did that, when I came, went on live on four legs and talked about that, I think I proposed that because I think it was going to be the anniversary. Mm. It was going to be the the 25th anniversary at that time. It just happened in, in 2019, but yeah, I mean, we talked about that too. Did you guys, have you guys mentioned that Sonic reducer video that they threw out? I mean, we spoke about it before a couple of weeks back when they first released it. But I mean, if we want to jump back, I mean, we talked about Oh three, we talked about Oh 12, we talked about 2000, a little bit about 98 because you were there. Let's mm-hmm. go back to the to the very beginning uh, of the recorded shows that we've had. I wish we had the 91 and 92 shows. But we have two shows at the Fox Theater in 94. Um, the first one, of course, famously. Broadcast, not, not, not video recording. The, well, not number one? It, was it, night one broadcasted? I don't know. Night no, one was it, not broadcast. Okay. Yeah, but it did feature the, the Mama Sun trilogy in reverse yeah. order, which is mm-hmm. great. And it was the first playing of Out of My Mind, which, of course, was Out the B-Sides and Not For You. So there were yep. some really good standouts, and it's a great show unto itself. But can we talk about Night 2? Oh, my April God. April 3rd, 1994. John, tee us off, please. Oh, my God. Like they And they just released this on the vault. I, it was so good to hear it like remastered and in all its glory. You know, I, Actually, I hadn't bought a CD in years, but that <laughs> yeah. actually got me got me to go buy a cd um oh my god like yeah i think i remember because it was supposed to start at like 8 or eight fifteen. i think they were saying on the radio and then it was a big thing like oh it's like i remember the djs coming on like i still remember like oh it's we're, we're it's gonna start any minute they're pushed back like we're, we're gonna wait and see what we're we're gonna go live right to it when it starts like i think it was around nine o'clock they finally went on and you just get, I, I'm getting chills thinking about it right now. Like that. Oh, where, release hey, into, hey, for us. where were you when this happened? Were you in your house in your living room? Yeah. I was, I, yeah. In my, in my room, I was probably kind of April of 94. I would have been 15. 16? Yeah. Yeah. 15. So yeah. Like just in my room by myself with the, with the big boom box, like with the little cassette, like hit record. Did hmm. you tape it? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I got, I got my cassette still. And like, yeah, you're just like I still remember all of like in between song banter, like the the Black Francis thing and like all the stuff at the end with four feet and stuff like that. And you know, you know, oh there's a good fight, but I think you won, you know, all that all that stuff. And like that version of Deep is so good, the version of Go is so good. That rearview mirror was on the the B side of the dissident seven inch, like the dissident singles had all that stuff on there, but like yeah. it didn't have Better Man, like to get and then get whipping like that early, like you hear this new song and you're like, oh shit, like that song's amazing. Like for me being being 15 years old, like you, that, like you got oh yeah, not that's for you the night song. before as well, didn't you? Right, right. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, if I had been, if I'd been born a couple of years earlier, I probably would have been at that show for sure. And yeah, like Sonic Reducer, like that version of Sonic Reducer is maybe the best of all time. That porch is one of the best porches of all time. The you know the there's the the legend that he climbed up on the rafters, dropped the dummy down, and like thought everyone thought he had killed himself. <laughs> then he like comes back up and like he is oh risen. And then like the thing where after porch everyone left because they were like 
it can't get any better than that. Like that has to be the end. And then they came back and played in difference. It's in like, Oh my God, it's that's, it's one of the top three or five shows in their history. What was the song? Was it, um, what was the song? Got Satan's bed on there too. Satan's bed. Um, where they had, um, the guests singers, um, WMA, the yes. Doug from Kings X came out and sang yes. on WMA. That yeah. was our, our live cut. Classic. Our best live cut was, was oh, yeah. that. And yeah, that the sound check footage that they released last year too, has him kind of practicing it with them and like singing with them. It's, oh, it's amazing. And to, and to get the official video, I, I say official, but it's, you know, they basically probably paid a fan who had it. Um, and released it officially that uh, of Sonic Reducer just a couple days after they released the remastered version of this show. Because, I mean, on top, let's talk about how the fact that it was available, like people from people like you had taped it. It was radio quality, but, you know, transferred from probably a cassette. So it was good relative to other audience recordings, right? We get it's, it's right. soundboard. Yeah, it's soundboard. So it's it sounds yeah. great. So everyone, everyone's like, you know, Okay, how how much better can this be? But you listen to like, oh my god! Now, it, now it, I get it, it. it's oh, yeah. truly noticeable. Yeah. I mean, mine are the dissident singles, and I, and I mm-hmm. had it was the uh, it's like the it, the open up book kind of mm-hmm. like the um, yeah, and I had all the discs. There's three of them, I think. So it, it was the extended single version. It had basically the whole almost the whole show. It doesn't have better man like you mentioned some of the other tracks. But to get this particular show, I mean, I even noticed it's just cranked up a notch, man, and it really pounds. And Ed really like sounds good on it. It's I don't think he he maybe has never sounded better. And we should do that. That version of Better Man actually ended up on Vitalogy. Like they they used that version for the studio version pretty much. Yeah, it's uh, doesn't he open that up by saying like I dedicate this to the bastard that married my mama. That's right. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's. I wonder. Like, do you think that's as far as Pearl Jam songs go? I feel like going off a little bit of a tangent here, but. As far as shows go in general, is that like an easy top fiver? Oh, yeah. Of what we have available to us? Obviously, we don't know. Most of the first couple of tours, we don't have recordings of. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's number one for me. That that Atlanta 94 and 92, is, that's number one for me. That That's that's my all-timer. You think you're biased because you're from Atlanta? Or from the, yep. Georgia? <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a compelling <laughs> argument, though. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I mean, it's it's nostalgia for me too. Like I, I sat there and listened to the whole thing. Like I probably stayed up till, God, it was almost three hours, so probably till midnight, you know. And and yeah, you know, trying to trying to time it so that you flip the cassette in between songs and like you don't miss anything. But yeah, like that, that's such a good memory. And like I listened to it so many times. Like wore those tapes out, and like you said, getting those distant singles and hearing it in such good quality, and then for me to be still 42 years old, you know, 27 years later and to still be blown away by it just says something. I think it's, yeah, I think it's, it's the show that, that, that I would go back to, even though if, if you put me on a desert island and say, Hey, you can only listen to one Pearl Jam show the rest of your life. Like that's the one. Do you think, um, going into your very first Pearl Jam show, which you said it was 98, right? Right. So you've got this four-year window from when you first heard this live performance from front to back. What was the anticipation anticipation like going into your very first show? And that it was the next time in the city. Right. Yeah, it was it was big, you know, and I I was in Athens at the time, so I 
I drove down to Atlanta. You know, was it a big outdoor amphitheater type thing? I think I I had not judged it correctly as far as you know what time to get there. So I completely missed Mud Honey. Oh, sorry. Yeah, Mud Honey was the opener. I completely missed him because I just I was stuck in traffic trying to park mm. and everything. You know, get everything ready. But I think I got there right before the first song, and they they come on kick in with Hail 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 Hail. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, like No Code, that's that's the peak. Like that's that's my number one album. So yeah, come to come out with Hail Hail, I was just I was just kind of in disbelief the whole time. And there's the, the, I think that was only the second or third time they had done No Way. That was cool. I think I remember hearing "Off He Goes" and thinking, like, "Oh, this is so cool." And what's the deal with yeast power before "Off He Goes"? <laughs> yeah, that's that's the yeasty girls. Well, how funny yeah, is it that, was... that, that he does the yeasty girls thing, and then on the flip of a dime, turns around and says, "You know, we're playing "Off He Goes" next. This is what's like to be my best friend." And like, mm-hmm. he completely flips the script yeah. into like, "Oh, yeah. we're having a fun time," and then, "Oh, this is serious." Like. Yeah, that, that's that's what they were, man. That's, Ed's, Ed's a weird man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, uh, yeah, I think I remember because I was out on the lawn. Like they were, they were very small to me. You know, you know, you're looking at it from hundreds of of yards away. And I remember like just kind of just watching, kind of by myself. Like I just went by myself, sat out there, and just kind of took it all in. Cause I was like, you know, this has been the band for me since, since 1991, 1992, since I was 13. Like I just kind of had my own little moment. I remember people around me trying to like start little circle pits, like out in the thing. And I was like, Oh, you know, if they play Sonic Reducer, I'll maybe join you, but they, <laughs> they didn't. And, but yeah, like I, I love going back in and listening to that 98 show. Like it brings back a lot of good memories for me. It's uh, just really, I think the the version of black is really good. Yeah. Uh, near the end of the show. And yeah, it's just, I just remember, I just, yeah, it's just, it's one of those things that like, I, I'll always have a, a good, good memory associated with it. Did it, did it live up to the hype that you had built up in your mind from listening to it on the radio? I think so. I think so. You know, and, and me being, you know, as, you know, going on 20 as opposed to being 15. So, you know, you're a little, you're a little more jaded, a little, you know, I knew, yeah. I knew it wasn't going to be, that crazy you know but but again they they broke out some cool stuff and like and the, the easty girls thing and that to me was like if i ever get a chance to meet i'll be like do you remember the easty girls thing i was there i have that record i remember don't like prejudge your your don't assume that that people aren't into punk rock but yeah like i just remember after the show just being being on cloud nine just like yeah i finally saw him you know this is what pearl jam does man yeah and like i I didn't go to the 2000 and 2003 shows you know in retrospect you know that those would have been amazing to go to but like i was in athens i was in a band like we were doing stuff we were touring around and like i was just kind of too busy and like not into it it was really deep into the punk rock stuff at the time and like it just kind of passed me by but after 2003 i think i finally you know, join the fan club in 05 and it was kind of like, well, okay. So, you know, but you know, every time an album would come out, I would kind of check in, you know, when binaural came out, I, you know, I got, got the vinyl from the fan club, like check it out for a week, like listen to Pearl Jam for a week. Like, okay, I'll digest this for a while. And then I'll, I'll put it on the shelf and wouldn't listen to it for a while. And then Riot came out, same thing, like get the album, listen to it a few times, put it on the shelf, forget about it. 
but I really, you know, started getting back into them around 2005, 2006 and started, you know, as really those, a lot of those 2003 bootlegs and, you know, getting into the live shows and I was like, okay, well, I'll, you know, I'll, I think it's, I'll join the fan club and like, I'll get the singles. And then, you know, next time they come around, you know, I'll be able to go. And then you wait and you wait and you wait and you wait. And then they just, they never came around. And then the music Midtown came, thing came up and that was cool, but it's just different. So I think we're like, for us not to have a, a non-festival show since 2003, it's just crazy. You know, I think I joked on the forums one time we should change our name to South America so that they'll come down and play here more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They visited South America twice, I think, since, or maybe three times since they, Oh yeah. Three times. Oh, I Jesus. think. Yeah. Well, we, we will have concerts again, John, and I have a feeling Atlanta will be involved, especially after what we've seen. In oh, Stacey and- Abrams <laughs> will, she will be on the ground making sure that happens. <laughs> she can make uh, anything yeah. happen at this point. Exactly. Um, yeah. Build, build the statue. John, if, if the guys were listening to you as a, as a Georgian, what would you say to them in regards to the next time they come to Atlanta? Well, just, yeah, just don't, don't have any preconceived notions. You know, there's, there's people here that, that think like they do. And just, just like everywhere else, you know, you they need to come here and, and play for, for the fans down here who have suffered, who've been through it. You know, I wouldn't even talk about the, we, we kind of hit on the runoff thing. I didn't even talk about that. Like I haven't been able to even watch YouTube for the last month. Cause every five seconds it interrupted with an ad political ad mm-hmm. <laughs> I would get three or three or four mailers every day. Yeah. And I sent off my, I had sent off my absentee ballot back in early December stuff every day. People texting me nonstop every day, phone calls. Like I am glad that thing is over. I'm obviously happy with the result. That's encouraging though, that that level of canvassing happened. Yes, absolutely. And, and you, and you know, Stacey Abrams, you mentioned it like that, this, this, the states down here, the southern states have always been like that. It's always been here. It's just they, you know, the voter suppression and things like that that have taken place. It's it's worked. And now you're finally seeing a little bit of pushback on that. And the, and the fair fight thing that Stacey Abrams does is fantastic. They've they've gone out and, and mobilized people and and gotten into the, the city to get people to register and everything. And but those people have always been here. You know, it's just a it's just a matter that they they weren't mobilized before. But yeah, I mean, I'm excited to to see where it goes from here. You know, now we we got to work on Alabama and we got to work on Tennessee. We got to work on South Carolina. So, yeah, it's uh, it's just been crazy. But yeah, I mean, I I would say, uh, you know, God, I, after all this, you know, you hope that we're on the radar, and not just for Pearl Jam, too, for every other band. You know, think about how many how many artists and how many bands have been you know supporting supporting Georgia and like people putting out. I think was that Jason Isbell was saying he was going to put out a Georgia covers EP. There was a couple other bands that that were saying they were going to do that. Like, don't forget about us when all this is over. You got, we, we gotta, you gotta come and follow through and play the shows. But yeah, I think it, it can be, it can be what it was again, man. I think it's going to, and it's going to be so emotional and so kind of charged when they come back, just for the fact that we, we've missed them for so long that I think it'll be, it'll be special. And I'm hoping, yeah, I'm hoping to get, to get two nights at least. Well, John, thanks for uh, coming on the show and, and, and talking about Pearl Jam and Georgia and, and your experience because it's been a very important state and very important week 
not only in for Pearl Jam fans, because I would imagine Pearl Jam fans are probably politically active, a lot of people, and it's been a very uh, eventful week. So uh, this was needed, I think. And um, you've got a show tomorrow night. What, what are you and Randy doing? We are going to be covering uh, Jacksonville 2016, another show that I went to. Ooh. I was on the rail for that one. So the, yeah, that's uh that's one of it's going to be a good one. They, uh, I think that that's one that's got of the earth, which is one of my nice. one of my favorites too. So looking forward to talking about of the earth. Excellent. All right, John and Randy will be on uh, live and four legs tomorrow with Jacksonville. John, thanks for joining us. Hey, thanks, guys. My pleasure. Been a pleasure, thanks John. Thanks. Thanks to John for popping on the show and talking about Georgia and Pearl Jam and giving us some context about these shows over the years, which have been pretty much great for all of them. Outstanding, man. I mean, it's uh, it was a privilege to have kind of eyes and ears on the ground, as it were. Yeah, he's like and, a reporter. Uh, yeah, man. It was really cool to get that correspondence feel, but also obviously a huge fan and uh, a, a passionate fan. And to get that that regional link to the show, mm-hmm. just that, that, senti- that sentiment of saying, hey, man, like when you guys come here, just – don't make assumptions about, you know I mean? <laughs> and, and I thought that was, that was pretty cool. You know what I mean? Cause I, I think, I think, I think we, the state of Georgia proved his point this week. Yes. By saying, Hey, we are sure. here. The people that, you know, tend to be your fans who, who think how you do about the world. We're here. We're loud. We're here. We're making our voices heard and please come back. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> soon. The state has earned it. Seriously. Uh, let's move on to our lyric of the week. Lyric of the week this week comes from Yield, and uh, it's Brain of Jay. All right, Paul. Brain of Jay. I feel like we've done a lot of Yield songs, but they're very good. And this one is, it's a hard rocker. And the the part that we've chosen here feels very uh, topical. Like it's got a lot of context right now. A little bit. Why am I, why am I thinking that? A little bit. Uh, you might be thinking that because there was... Uh an act of insurrection and sedition at the United States Capitol building mm-hmm. this past week. Uh, yeah, man, I, I have really strong feelings on this. And look, at the end of the day, you didn't see folks who, who, ha- who I think had legitimate grievances in 2016 to line up outside the Capitol building and say, hey, you know what? Uh, should I be just standing here okay with the fact that there was a foreign power interfering with this election and I now have an elected official that may or may not have legitimately won this election? And yet here we are four years later and these these outcries for voter fraud are backed by this armed assault, essentially, on the Capitol building where... People tragically lose their lives 
in this ridiculous affair. And the thing that upsets me more than any of it are the the, the GOP's cries of of unity and and how we need to move beyond this now and and we shouldn't pursue impeachment. And all you know what, man? If if this if this script had been flipped, oh boy, the, the, Jesus, dude! It there it would the audacity. I mean, <laughs> there would be like pitchforks and it would be unbelievable. The outcry, literally, Fox News twenty four hours a day would be calling for heads, and it's it's. The thing that bothers me about it so much is that when the script is flipped, it's let's just turn the page and move on. We don't want to accept any accountability or responsibility for this. And and let's just let, we need to focus on unity right now. <laughs> Where was that talk before? Where has that talk been for four years? Where has that talk been during the era of obstruction in Congress? I, I don't know. I just that whole element right there could could sit and spin bro you know what I'm saying? <laughs> they, they could seriously sit and spin as far as i'm concerned turn the stool over and dial it up i could care less i, I mean, at oh, this man. point just literally just book them man book them St- they belong behind bars for that stuff and it's that it, it's traitorous it's it's insurrection it, it's sedition and anybody who tries to spin this differently is delusional and fooling themselves or well, fooling and, him or herself, I should say. Hypocritical. I, I have to and, get my pronoun agreement right. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, let's look at these words again, right? Yeah, I went you, off on a you've been, No, no, but no, but you you basically um, articulated the the catharsis, right? Yeah. Which Paul's is the, greed and diatribe. The response evil. to what we've seen too many Americans. Dude, and, and succumb to call to. yourself a patriot while doing that, which is is, the, is appalling to me. It, it's it's how does Robert Kraft sleep at night? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but like, look at look, let's look at these lines one by one, real quick. Okay, you you've been taught, whipped into shape. Now they got you in line. Stand behind the stripes. There will be order. So give it good mind. This was written yeah. in 1997, 98. Uh, apparently, a new one of these lunatics. It's. No, it's the it's creepy. The premonition behind these lines, when you really think about twenty two years from when this song was published as a song, written probably twenty five years ago, about something completely different, somebody completely different, a completely different government, and here we are with these people who you, as you just pointed out, claim to be patriots. That word has been completely ruined. Flying the rebel flag, mind you. A flag that did not, as far as I know, did not fly in the Capitol building during the Civil War because they didn't make it that far up north. Right. So, so it in the society we've built today, that was allowed. God, man. <laughs> it's, so these people, t- t- again, coming back to these lines here, these people have been whipped into shape by their false god, right? Their dear leader. Their who, demigod. He's demigod, right? Whipped in the shape, they stand behind the stripes of the flag. That's their shroud, right? They think that this is what they're fighting for. Um, and there will be order. There'll be law and order. That's what they're all about. Law and order. Where the fuck Blue was that? Blue lives matter as they trample police. <laughs> yeah, some of the police letting them in because yeah, they're in, taking in on selfies. It, I don't know what that was about, man. Ridiculous. Some of them who actually... We're trying to stop things, getting run over. I saw a video of one guy getting squished in between a door, started bleeding from his face. Oh, dude. While he's getting punched with his shield being ripped off. Hey, can you tell me something? 
Because we're, we're talking about these folks getting whipped up into shape, right? Mm-hmm. There will be order, right? That's the line. There will be order, so give it a good mind. There was a lot of mind dedicated to the protests in June. And there was order because these guys were lined up on the steps ready for whatever was going to come their way. Where was the National Guard? Where were all the, the troops and the police at for this particular um, congressional gathering? What, where, why was that not in place for this? Talk about Portland. Yeah, there was a federal building being vandalized. And I think we would agree, I think that we would err on the side of the people doing the vandalism, even if we don't like the fact that they were vandalizing a building Yeah, and say, I understand why you're doing that. That is wrong. And there needs to be a consequence for that. And no by golly, there was some, some fucking consequences for those people. For sure. Some people got shot and killed, tear gassed. Um, people were being picked up in unmarked rental vans by, by, unidentified um you know soldiers essentially where the hell was that uh, this uh, last week in washington not there so where this order is i have no idea but it's for one side apparently so if i can skip to the second part here which is the which is the chorus Mm -hmm. the whole world will be different soon the whole world will be relieved well i'll tell you right now we got past the georgia runoff election we got past certification by the senators in the House, and Joe Biden's going to be president. Think of him what you will, but he's going to be president, and the entirety of Congress is in lockstep with him, and God willing, things will be different soon because if they stay the same, I don't know how long this republic stands. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hate to be over dramatic about it, but- I think this is the first time we've really had a chance to. It's just disappointing. It really is. It's, it's really. It's, it's, I, the, the word I used was appalling. And uh, I'm at the, I'm at that point where I don't know how else to describe it. And all I can hope for is that all of this is pursued to the, to the fullest extent of, of the letter of the law. I mean, just don't hold any punches back on this one, man. I mean, just, You've got to set precedent with this because precedent has been set by the other side. And and, and if, if we're going to allow that type of thing and just wave, wave it past, what's to stop the next elected official from thinking, oh, I can just incite insurrection and sedition if I don't like the way things are going my way? There's not going to be any consequences. I mean, you know, uh, what's to stop protesters on the right from just waltzing through the next federal building with a Confederate flag waving to and fro? I mean, it... You have to draw a line right here. I mean, it, it, there's been so much of just sitting on your hands while they they gerrymander and 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 just violate and and just utterly disrespect the 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 principles and the memory of the Constitution and bend and twist things to essentially serve the, the their self interests. And this is the opportunity now to. Pull out of the ether, the brain of Jay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Find it. Find it. Find find the law and order. And you know what? There will be order now. So all of you out there, if there is anybody out there who does not necessarily agree with Paul and me uh, in this way, give it good mind. Because for a long time now, you've thought that your law and order is – for you guys and that everybody else is an other. I hate to break it to you, but the United States of America is uh, quite diverse. And, um, you know, white Christians 
are, are, are not everybody. And we have to make laws and uphold them for everyone. So uh, give that some good mind because the whole world is going to be relieved pretty goddamn fucking soon. Let's get to our live cut of the week. Ready? Live cut of the week, Brain of Jay. I love this song. It gets me jacked up, as if you couldn't tell already. And uh, where are we going? When are we going, Paul? Well, we've talked about Atlanta a lot, and, and th- those shows are fantastic. Um, but I have to be honest with you, man. The March 5th Melbourne show, for me, it contains what I feel is arguably the greatest version of this particular track. Uh, Eddie manages to have that scathing, guttural, just uh, angry. I mean, like the way we feel about what we just watched, it is perfectly captured in this vocal delivery and he sustains it the whole track. It's not diluted by uh, the wine and the cigarette. (laughs) I'm telling you, man, he, he holds it and it is intense. The delivery was fantastic. The band is on point. The guitars are outrageously just loud and fantastic. It's an outstanding cut. And I've got to, as always, throw a nod out to the the, the audio source itself. So uh, this particular version here, uh, if you go to wegotshit.blogspot.com, you will find uh, Revered Pearl Jam Audiophile JWB who remasters the pre-2000 soundboards in FLAC and MP3. So just to have yet another pair of hands on that particular promo CD to say, hey, what can I do to the sound here to amplify and improve here and there? So this is the, that's the particular version that I have, and, and it stands out even more. Not that the original source isn't also stellar, but it, I do definitely notice a difference with, with this particular version here. So Melbourne, March 5th. 1998 
this song, the, the where it comes in the set list, it's second behind release. Yeah, they, they were amped. <laughs> We've said it before. We will say it again. Best opener. We said it last week. Yeah. When release opens a show, you're already jacked. But to have that sometimes hail hail effect of the soft leading into the hard. Yeah. It's one of my favorite ways to start a show. It's a great way to start a show. And the way that Mike just leans into that riff coming out of, uh, out of stone and, and uh, doing the, the DRPGO of, of, of release and, and, and the release you get from that. And now everyone's in a high, it's, where are you going to go? Let's just stay here. <laughs> do, 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 do. Oh man. I can listen to Melbourne now. Now I'm all jacked up for Melbourne. You should, man. It's fantastic. Our Australia friends, you guys got to chime in. If you guys were there, ooh, mama, we, we need to get you on the show and talk about this trio of concerts because they were legendary. And speaking of John and, and Randy over at Lab and Four Legs, I don't know if they've done the Melbourne shows yet, but um, they should. Yes. I'd be interested to see their thoughts on this show. As would I. All right, gang. Um, there you go. There's another episode for you. Uh, that one had a, that was very cathartic in a lot of ways. It was. It felt good. Get I had to get system. some of that off my chest. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you, you can roast Paul by rating, reviewing, and subscribing. <laughs> so if you're on Spotify or Apple or Stitcher, whatever you got. Yeah, guys, give us give us a little shout on there if you would be so you kind. You can tell Paul he can sit and spin too. He can sit, spin the black his, circle, buddy. Cut his ribs out like <laughs> Marilyn Manson, whatever he's got to do. Yeah, tell him good what lord. <laughs> um, oh boy, this is off the rails. Come find us next week, where we will discuss something maybe not so controversial. I don't know. <laughs> I'm gonna think. Related. I'm gonna think of something. I'm gonna think of something to okay. rile the masses. All right, fine. Let's talk about abortion. What? What's that? I, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta do the dishes. Okay. Gang, until the next episode, you've been listening to The State of Love and Trust. Yeah.